The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 256 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I am joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today after your long break? I know we took a few weeks off just to kind of regroup rest our muscles. And it's just a slow time in the world. You know, the Writers Guild is at a standstill. The Damian Lillard trade is at a standstill. It's like nothing really going on, but we're going to scrape and fish around for storylines. Yeah. So I would say like the biggest storylines, honestly, I looked back at our most recent episode, which I think was like about almost a month ago. um, And we were talking about the Damian Lillard trade. That was like the biggest news. And now the biggest news about the Damian Lillard trade is that like the league sent a memo to all 30 teams that were like, you have to negotiate in good faith. You you can't just like, you can't just decide what team you're going to. And so aside from that, and then summer league, and I guess Jalen Brown signing the richest contract of all time. Like the only other big news is that like the NBA booth is going to be totally different basically and we already talked about van gundy i think being out and now mark jackson it's weird then like a month later news trickles out that mark jackson as well is gone and so it looks like doc and doris burke are being elevated maybe i mean you're you're higher on doc rivers as announcer he was good you know 20 years 20 years ago it's been it has been an awful long time since doc rivers was on tv but he was good when he was on tv back then But you know why I'm a little nervous about it? And it's kind of sad. This is our top story because it does have so little impact. But um, I think he still has intentions to coach, right? He's still a viable coaching candidate. He interviewed for jobs this year. So he could get a job. I mean, he's, you know, beloved by certain, you know, owners probably. So will he just bite his tongue and not really be that critical? Or give away too much. He's always kind of a politician anyway. Yeah. I mean, and I think that one of the things with a guy like Doc Rivers is that he's probably very, very good at speaking to owners and like businessmen because he's been around for a long time. But it would have to be the right job, though, right, Zan? Because, you know, Doc isn't coming back to coach a young team, basically. So, like, what and, job? And he, he is like a veteran coach who hasn't gotten along with the star players recently. So, it's not a real winning formula. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, we're always, I, you know, it's funny. Like, Doc has, like, you know, he, he came out and made all those comments about the Clippers. And then obviously, we heard the stuff about him and Harden, which, like, I, I can't really confirm or deny. It seems like the situation in Philly right now is, is rather tenuous, if you will. But, like, it does feel very odd that I, I don't know that there's a lot of like natural landing spots for Doc Rivers, I guess. I think it would have to be like, remember when I like Stan Van Gundy as a coach and as so a do commentator. I. Yeah, so do but I. remember when he got like a big deal to like go to Detroit? It was almost like they want to like stabilize their organization. And with they like gave him name and they gave him player personnel control, too. Right. Yeah. So I think it's going to be like one of those like a new owner who doesn't really know what to do. 
And he needs wants that name value of Doc Rivers. Maybe in like Charlotte or something like that, so, you know. So here's what I here's what I'd say. I do think for your to your point that he'll probably go, he won't go like full John Gruden, where like he just never insulted anybody. But I don't think he'll go like like I, I think Stan Van Gundy is quite good on TV. And I think he realizes that like it's gonna be hard for him to get a job because he's even changed the way that he coaches in terms of his offense and defense, but he hasn't changed the way that like he demands things out of his players. Now, Doc, on the other hand, like you're not going to practice a ton, like you're not going to be in the gym a ton, like he requires veterans and stuff. And so I think Doc will probably toe the middle of the line, like you're like you're saying in in terms of how he'll announce, because I do think he'll I think he's probably got one more stop in him, I would imagine. I mean, I thought he did again. I, I can say this till I'm blue in the face, but I thought he did a good job in Philly. I really did. Like from what was expected. He had a, good, of him. He had a lot of good assistant coaches. I, I thought they were fine. I mean, yeah, I. I think there's little like things at the margins they could have done differently. Like, you know, they never really solved the backup Embiid minutes. No, and then like he didn't play Jalen McDaniels. Yeah. Right? So there's like and he and that has McDaniels. been like a long flaw of his is not developing young guys, you know, to kind of fill and in like, the gaps. And like at the end of the day, he's always gonna go with what he knows, right? That and, and that's something you get in with older coaches, right? They just don't take a lot of yeah, and and like that's like honestly, I was thinking about this, just contemplating on like the most like misunderstood, missed opportunities. Because I want to look up is Blake Griffin on a team right now? He's not. So he was on Boston, me. but like he's not. Yeah, yeah. So his career might be over, and it just made me think. Like I think one of the most misunderstood players was like Blake Griffin, like Detroit era. He was like really good for like a he year. He had like the one year where he was like an all NBA first team level player. Yeah. And he finished third in MVP one year for the Clippers when Chris Paul got hurt. And he was always like an underrated passer, kind of like a, you know, Zion type um, in that regard. Uh, but the Clippers, like, they really had something with that. Their starting lineup, they could never find the fifth guy. They needed a small forward. And then, like, they let Joe Ingles, they, I think they waived him. They did wave Joe in train camp. They traded away Reggie Bullock, who would have been good in that role too, because like Doc just didn't trust those guys, kind of guys, the young guys or the unknown guys, and that's something that I think has plagued him for years and years. And he just didn't adjust to that yeah. idea. And it happened. It happened this year as well, right? That like it's on him to figure out a way to, you know, PJ Tucker's maybe. You know, and again, I guess in game seven against Boston, PJ hit like four threes in the first half and it was fine. But I think that, you know, it was his job to get like McDaniels ready. Maybe you can get more out of Shake Milton. Like maybe one of your young guys, like I'm trying to remember the kid that they waved that was on a two way deal who signed up a guaranteed deal uh, from Pitt, Champagny or whatever. Like maybe you get find a way to play him. And instead, like the only guy that was young that they played down the stretch was like Paul Reed, basically. And so. Yeah, and I- I think like teams really should you talk about load management, long slog of the regular season. Smart teams do take those time to develop guys like Miami. Like, hey, let's see what can Gabe Vincent become a rotational player. Can Caleb yeah. Martin become a rotational player? Like, you might as well take those chances rather than like you know throwing DeAndre Jordan out there for twenty. Or like they signed they signed like Montrez Harrell, which like made sense because Doc knows him or whatever. But it's like two years ago when they had DeAndre Jordan, and it's like these guys just aren't going to help you win. And so that's, that's where, like I'm saying, like, I don't, I just don't see a scenario. Like unless doc is going to come back and like coach the Celtics again, or a team like that. Right. 
or like maybe Dallas, he could coach like Luca and well, Kyrie. That, you know, that's a good question because there's two other coaches we talked about unemployed. I think we agree Jeff Ingun, he's not getting another head coaching job. Do you think he'll go to the bench and be an assistant? No. JVG, no shot. I just think he'll be on TNT and it'll be great. Hopefully he's with Kevin Harlan more. And what about be Mark awesome Jackson, who's been a candidate at various places? I think I, it will take the right type of owner to hire Mark Jackson. Obviously, there was a bunch of stuff written about like what went on behind the scenes at Golden State and you know whether you believe Darren Ehrman should have like had a tape recorder and coaches meetings and things like that is a whole nother story. But you know, I, I think that the way Mark Jackson coaches is unless he's demonstrated that he's going to play differently, I think it's going to be hard to give him a job. And but but I also think that like the one thing that always seems to really benefit these guys, Van Gundy aside, and, and we can talk a little bit more about Van Gundy if you want, but like. They're on TV, so they have so much name recognition, right, with players. Like, they're, they're very credible. Like, so if you talk to, like, a, let's say you talk to, let's use your boy, Cooper Flag, right? That's your guy, yeah. who apparently beat Brad Beal in one-on-one pretty badly, <laughs> uh, and Beal got mad. But, so, like, let's say we talk to Cooper Flag. Do you think Cooper, Cooper Flag could tell you anything about Mark Jackson's NBA career? Probably not, right? No. But Mark Jackson was a good NBA point guard. Like, a good to great NBA point guard, right? In yeah. a different era. But, like, he knows Mark Jackson really well, right? He probably knows more about Mark Jackson than he does about, say, like, I don't know, Patrick Ewing or Reggie Miller or somebody, you know, the guys that he played with that were clearly the stars of his teams. So maybe an owner will take a shot on that and, or a GM will say, like, you know what? Like, we feel like he can get through to the players and we can fill in the rest. The problem with Mark Jackson has always been, or at least in Golden State, it's that, like, he wasn't. He doesn't delegate, right? It's not like Doc where you have Dan Burke and Dave Yeager and those guys run the offense and the defense or defense and the offense rather. Like Mark Jackson doesn't do that, right? So so if he's shown the ability to do that, I think that somebody could take a shot because Mark Jackson you know doesn't what? have a lot of credibility. I think he's he seems more likely. And we thought Jason Kidd wouldn't get a shot, and he did. So, yeah, you're right. Like some owner could buy into these guys. Kidd, but- Kidd actually – doesn't seem bad. I don't. I don't know. He seemed, I, I, I mean, the defense I, fell off a cliff, but yeah, I, I, he hasn't made any waves. You know, he hasn't like no. gotten any drama. I mean, Dallas was worse this year than they probably should have been, but they also but tried it, to be. Mark worse. Jackson reminds me, like you think, like he'll be like he'll get some like like Avery Johnson college job and then do badly. You know, like that just seems yeah, like, like he'll get Saint, like he'll get the St. John's job. Yeah, and just like flame out after like three but, or four years. But that's where like, I think like Van Gundy, you know, Stan's problem from what I've heard and, and it's been, I mean, how long has it been since Jeff Van Gundy's been a head coach? Like Houston in the early time. 2000s. Yeah. It's been like 20 years, right? You know, Mark Jackson's been 10 years, but Stan, like, I think his problem, and we've heard JJ Reddick talk about this, is that like Stan Van Gundy wants guys to have like full sweat shoot arounds. Like, you know, you're you're gonna be practicing like three hours. Well, you're a saying day. old school old school coaching habits, but what about old school coaching personalities? Let me is the league now just looking around, are there any flashy alpha dog coaches? It seems like they're all just like I, players, coaches, lay back, let the players do what they want can you basically. give me an example like are you thinking about like pat riley pat riley is the guy that came to mind but like but is there like you know don nelson would you count as that no i don't I mean, think so i mean pop i you know i don't, I don't know like yeah, I would he's say, sort of like yeah hard-nosed guy yeah i think pop would. how about michael malone that guy loves like 
talking like with a chip on his shoulder and like making the story about and i, I mean i think Mike Malone's in, probably a good up coach. until the title was that like the case because i don't think anyone ever I talked about Mike. i don't Malone think anyone paid attention that's my point is i don't think yeah. anyone like paid attention to him so like yeah i think there's players coaches but i think like you know a guy like joe Missoula, for example like you can tell like he's gonna get into his players like he does that but, that's true but that's like true. he's also you know as as coaching has become it's interesting because you're one of the few people uh, I know that's like not from the industry that pays a lot of attention to coaching. And you do the same thing in football too, like college and, and professional football. But like coaching has become so much like so secretive, right? In terms of like what goes on behind the scenes and like what guys discuss. And so I, I do think the guys like Doc Rivers, where if you are bringing Doc in for an interview, you already know like what Doc is going to do, right? Like he's going to. He's going to like totally manage your personalities. He's going to load manage your players pretty well because he won't have them practice a ton, but he's also going to play them too many minutes. He's going to be great public facing until things go bad. And then like at the end of the day, he probably is too rigid to change enough to like really get over the hump at this point, unless the team's already good enough. Right. Like he had to find a way for Philly to beat Boston and, and they just weren't good enough. Right. He just couldn't do it. And it's, you know, and then, it's not entirely and, his fault, but and then he, just he gets he so much like credibility from the title. But you think, like, looking back, like it was 2008, like and also like that Celtics team winning one title. I mean, that might have been like low they, end of expectations. They should have won two for sure. They, the two they they got unlucky, I think, in 2010. And then by then, Garnett's like leg was just done. And then somehow they got Brooklyn to give him like a haul for Kevin Garnett. <laughs> but, but I might be wrong because like of the new coaching hires of this cycle. A couple of them, I think, came in with some swagger and um, leverage, you know, like biggest personality in the room. I would say, like, you look at Adoku and Houston. He seems like the star of the show now. But he's like an old, like, in terms of how he coaches and how hard he is on his guys, he's an old school guy. He just doesn't. But you would say he's in charge of the team. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and Monty Williams, same in Detroit. Like, I feel like he's the loudest voice in the room. And he's not loud, but. Isn't Monty basically like the new doc in terms of like, it's it's funny, yeah. right? Because in Phoenix, you know, they used to run a lot of really good stuff. And then all of a sudden, like at the end of this year, and some of that's probably KD, but also some of it's like the rest of the team, DeAndre Ayton, whatever. They didn't really do anything all that different. And that was one of the things I used to say about doc is like, I think he's a much better X's and O's coach than he gets credit for. But at the end of the day, like you need to have the right personnel to run things. You need to have total buy-in. You need to know that your players can do what you're asking them to do. And a lot of old school guys just like, default to like all right we know they can do this rather than being like let's take a shot because you're afraid to lose your job and so now maybe with monty on the front end of a massive deal you know maybe we'll see some some of that spark that we saw at the beginning of the time in phoenix with him but i don't know like i i think doc will get another job i think both van gundy brothers are done i think i'd bet against mark jackson getting a job but it'll be interesting to see what mark jackson does if what he's about tony do you think he's just gone he's been out for a few years now I don't know. I thought he would get Philly, but it didn't didn't work out that way. And if he's not, and if Daryl's not taking him along, like who's going to hire him? I think right. It, and it's not that I think D'Antoni's bad at what he does. I just think you give a lot of like you have to give a lot. I think for a Mike D'Antoni team because he is not. It's not that he's like hands off, but you know he's not really a player development guy, right? Like he's not going to get guys like way way better. He's going to empower his players and he's going to put in a system where guys like to play, but at the same time, like. I mean, he's not going to be in the office 15 hours a day, right? So would you rather take a guy that you know is going to really work? Or like, are you going to like 
totally walk away and be like, all right, Dan Tony's going to play this system with the players that we have. And when it doesn't work, somebody be like, all right, it's never going to work. Right. And I think, but Dan Tony's also older too, right? Dan Tony is in his, yeah, 70s. he's like in his seventies for sure. Yeah, He's like much, I, he got, old. he's one of those guys like, like you'd see Chevy Chase on TV and all of a sudden it was like, man, Chevy Chase got real old, right? That's like Mike D'Antoni for me. Well, Chevy Chase has been around for a long time. But like D'Antoni, it was like 2007, right? The mid-2000s with like the Suns. And then you look up and it's 2023 and you're like, man, this guy is, he's old now. Like guys get older, but, you know, same thing with Steve Kerr, right? Because I think Golden State, I, I think I'd be surprised if Steve Kerr was Golden State's coach after this season. I think like, I just think like for him, he's probably almost done with it. And you've won everything. Like you've made a ton of money. So like, can doc get that job? Probably not. If Chris Paul's there, I would guess, but I just think that's the tough part about it. Cause the places that seem like very good fits for doc rivers have pretty established coaches with the exception of maybe Boston. Um, This may be controversial. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but well, let's, what do you got? I'm not just trends in coaching. Cause I'm like, the of the new hires there's five new hires three of them were actually white guys but how many coaches are black do you think right now out of 30 teams 10 14 which is about half that's a good number Seems but reasonable how many nfl coaches are black God, i have no idea not a lot i mean if we count robert sala right like he counts he does doesn't he? count no he, he, does, not he count. does not all right so D'Amico ryan D'Amico ryan's mike tomlin so there's two yeah, Todd Bowles is the Todd third. Bowles. I think three? there's just three. That's, that's kind of out of thirty-two. That seems a little off, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. But uh, so, what else are we going to talk about? Coaching. What, I thought you were talking about trends. We just wanted to. Do well, some that was stats. the trend. That was, that was the trend. Trends, racial trends. I well, I think curious. one of the things I do think one of the things that's going on in the NBA currently, from a coaching perspective, is former players who were like, you know, good to like average to good NBA players are more likely to take jobs. And in the NFL, it's, it's harder, I think to get, I think the way that the NFL operates, it's harder to accelerate because of, and I don't want to, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth, but in terms of like maybe how hard you have to work and how many rungs there are to climb. Whereas like, if you're a veteran NBA player who's played for like 10 to 15 years and you're ready to kind of put in that work and you have that respect already, you can basically be in front of the bench assistant right away. Whereas in the NFL, like you can't do that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you, you can't, true. and you can't just be an offensive coordinator. So even like D'Amico Ryans, right. Who went from, you know, playing to like defensive coordinator pretty quickly. He had to go through those before he finally was able to get a job. I, I think like, and, and he's young still, but you know what I mean? He's probably, but well, and also like, it just doesn't work that way in the NBA. Well, the, old, in the NFL, like if you have a long career, let's say you're Josh McCown you know, who people yeah. like as a coach, you retire and you're like 40 and you get your first job as like a quarterback's coach. Like there are guys like Sean McVay, Kyle McShanahan, whatever, who've been in coaching for 10 been, years already or 15 years. Right. Yeah. They've already called plays like, and, and so in the NBA, it just doesn't always work like that, especially because there's, there's less jobs too. And, you know, if you are able to play a little bit still like in the NFL, you don't have to get on the practice field, but in the NBA, if you're still able to play a little bit, then like, you know, it makes sense. Like, you know, remember when Tim Duncan was an assistant, like he was on the court, like pretty regularly. And now a lot of older assistants don't do that. But like, if you're going to try to break in and be a young guy, like, and you're going to be in the video room, like you also need to be capable of like being on the practice court. And in the NFL, you, you obviously don't have to do that. Right. And you don't have to you do that. Have, now they're on a roll with coaching. I, one other trend I think is important. Not trend, but just sort of a test case. 
What do you Toronto, got? You got more statistics or what? No, well, Darko Toronto hired Darko Rajakov. Yeah. Uh, how do you say yeah. that? I, I mean, that seemed as close as I would probably get. International coach. Yep. From Serbia. Very, very, very good international coach. Like lots and lots of success. But he's going to be like a huge test case for other international coaches because they, they've been very few and far between. Like the only like pure international coach was Igor Kokoskov or whatever no, was Phoenix. Well, you're, oh, you're not talking about David Blatt as being a club Yeah, team he's coach. American. He's American. Yeah. Um, but like, will it work? And I think like, because Kokoskov didn't work right away, like it kind of scared teams off for a couple of years. So that's a huge test case. But I want to go rapid fire here because I, I mean, we're on coaching. We're, you know, your coaching blood is seeping in. Not even I want to give you rapid fire. Tell me if these coaches on the hot seat will be back next year. Can I talk? Can we talk about the European coaches for a second before we do yeah, this rapid yeah. fire? So, like, do you think so? So, for you, for somebody who studies this, like, would you dip into a European coach and consider it? Like, you know, the Spurs hired Messina, and then he obviously went back and took a bunch of money overseas before he ever what became a head coach. But like, would you go look at you know? Real Madrid's head coach rather than David no, Van- David Vanterpool. No, I think the ones like this guy, he, Darko was an assistant here. Yeah. And the guy that I thought would get a head coaching job maybe was like Jordi Fernandez for the Kings. He probably kind of will. He probably will. I don't know if next cycle's his job. He almost got the Raptors job, I think. So I don't know if next yeah, cycle's his job. But I think it's job, certain, but... certain markets would be better. Like Toronto, I think they clearly embrace that. They interviewed a few yeah and like and like darko has been an assistant in the nba for what almost 10 years now right like he was with oklahoma city then phoenix and he was in memphis for four years so it's like he he's like an nba coach but i'm saying like there are guys that are really really good coaches overseas and like it's hard you you basically have to come take a step back or you know like that's why the quinn snyder thing was so interesting because he basically had to like leave to like relearn how to like be an actual human being Okay, and then well, still about- came back to be an assistant. <laughs> okay, so here's the game. I'm going to give you a coach that could potentially get fired next year. All right, let's do it. And then you tell me what they need to survive, and do you think they'll oh do it? Oh, my gosh. I don't even – yeah, okay. I'll I, tell, I, well, right, unless you me, want me to tell you what I think they need to survive. No, no, no. Let me. I just want to make sure I know like what we did last year and things like that. So, all okay. right. I'll me. tell you. So, I'll just go in order. I, alphabetical team order. Joe Mazzula. Going into year two, they lost in the conference finals. I think that's probably the bar again. If they don't yeah. make the finals. I think he needs to make the finals. And also, like, they have a bunch of older guys on staff now. They've done a better job, I think, of, like, building out a staff and allowing him to have some more, you know, veteran guys. I think the Celtics are very good. Uh, but, yeah, I think, like, if they don't make the conference finals, I think he for sure gets fired. Okay. So, what, do you want to say he will or not? or just that's, just that's I that think he will not get fired. Um, I I want to hold on. I want to I want to give you a prediction right now. Okay. Not that I think Joe Mazzulla will win coach of the year or anything. I think Joe Mazzulla will end up being a very good NBA head coach. I, I know that like it's been very easy to say like, hey, this is who Joe Mazzulla is. He wasn't ready for it, whatever. But, you know, they hired Sam Cassell. He's very good at relating to the locker room. I think he'll be very good in terms of people. And then they hired Charles Lee, who I think will really help with like X's and O's. And I think he'll really help Mazzulla kind of as a foundational piece. And I think I think the Celtics, I understand people really like Denver or whatever. I think the Celtics should clearly be the favorite given the improvements to their team and their coaching staff. And I, 
I think as of today, I would bet on the Celtics to win the NBA title. And I think Joe Mazzullo is going to be a big reason for that's that. That's a hot... If we pull quote this podcast, that's the pull quote. I, and I... I don't know if I would say they're the favorites, but I think they are a top three team. I think they're. Yeah, I mean, it also year. it all depends, right? Like if yeah. if like the Clippers trade for James Harden or like Dame actually goes to Miami, then like I get to change my opinion. I think, although I don't know if I would. I, I really don't know if I would. So you're bullish on the Celtics. I'm just going in alphabetical order. Brooklyn, Jacques Vaughn has been there now. This is going to be second full year. I think I they know. probably they're, have to make the playoffs. They're probably no. I don't think so. You, you think, think so? so? I don't think so. They they like. They don't know what they're doing. They're not these. that young of a team, though. No, and they have like he's talking yeah. about Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges. They're all like 26, 27. Yeah, and they're also fine. I I just don't think you're hiring Jacques Vaughn to be like yeah, they may fire Jacques Vaughn because like that's like a the the thing that people do when Jacques Vaughn's like your head coach is fire him. But I think they're I think he's probably fine. I mean, unless they go like if they win like less than thirty five games. But yeah, if they make the play in and they're like competitive all year, like I, I can't imagine he's getting fired. Like, cause he's not, it's not his job to like figure out what's wrong with Ben Simmons. Maybe it should be, I don't know. But what about Steve Clifford entering year two as well? Wasn't oh, yeah. the top choice originally. I think that he is on a very hot seat. I think new ownership. I'll give you, I'll even give you this one. I think if Brandon Miller stinks, Steve Clifford's getting fired. Like they just signed LaMelo to a big, big extension. They have a bunch of like random pieces that may or may not work out. If they win 30 games and Brandon Miller's bad, Steve Clifford's getting fired. I, I think they need to, I think that I think they need to win a game in the playing tournament for him to keep his job, I would guess. That what about a guy that I think is in real trouble? Portland, Chauncey Billups, because they're talking about remaking the team. I have no idea. I, honestly, I'm going to assume Chauncey Billups gets fired or resigns. See, Chauncey feels like a guy to me that would resign before he got fired to say that like, you know, it was really bad in Portland. The situation was really terrible. Is as, as a coach though. Like, is that almost like a reprieve where it's like, we're blowing it up. We're going young. You can't be expected to win at this point. So like do expectations lower so much that you can't get fired now? I don't think he'll get, I, I don't know that he'll get fired if they trade Dame. If Dame stays, I think he can get fired. But if they trade Dame, I think Chauncey's probably fine, especially because of like who he is and they have like young guards and, People like Chauncey Billups. Like, I don't know. I have no idea if he's actually like a good coach or not. It's been such a weird situation. But like, if they keep Dame, I think Chauncey will not be the coach next year, whether he resigns or gets fired. But if they trade Dame, I bet you Chauncey's fine. I bet you if they win 20 games, it doesn't matter. And he's okay. Um, the one other guy that I think is a little bit in danger going into year three, Wesley Sissel Unsell Jr. He's getting fired. He's getting fired. Like the Wizards. His name is Sissel. Did you know that? No, I didn't. But he's he's getting fired. I, I think the Wizards like need to be in the play and mix. And you know, I think what they went thirty five games last year. But like, it's a weird roster. Again, sneaky bet. Jordan Poole, NBA scoring champ. Like he might score forty, like thirty five a game on forty shots a game. Like he is going to shoot so many times. The team is going to be not good. And I think Unsell's probably an okay coach. But I, I just it's like not a winning proposition there. I think he's getting fired. I like him too. They got to win. They got to win. They got to win 42 games. I bet. And there's almost no chance of that. Right. I mean, I mean, I'd be surprised unless he did. If he did, if they did, he did have done a fantastic job. Right. Well, you have our guy, Tyus Jones in there, Delon Wright, Landry Shamath. These are all guys I kind of like. Yeah. But you don't kind of like them as like the third best player on a team. (laughs) That's true. Like Poole and Kuzma are your two best players. Right. But I liked your Boston pick. Is there any other like big, you, you like settled because I thought we'd wait a while to like get into like big predictions, but no, that one I like. Would you I, still say the same? Let's say Boston 
let's say Miami trades for Dame and doesn't give up much, which seems like the likely outcome at this point. I think Boston's still better. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. Like, I don't here. Here's the thing, right? Dame, I'd have to look at this, but like, I feel like since the Olympics, Dame hasn't really played a bunch of games, right? Like, do we think that Dame can play the Jimmy Butler? Yeah, he played 20. So he played 67 games in 2021. We had, that was the 72 game season, right? He played 29 games. And he played 58 last year. Yeah, I think you can put Dame on the Jimmy Butler like schedule where you know they're going to play 55 games and they're just going to be ready for the playoffs. Uh, I think I would still, excuse me, I think I would still prefer Boston, in my opinion. Like, I'd rather have the wings, but I will say this with Boston. Um, they did just pay Jalen Brown $300 plus million, which seems insane to me. And uh, if they don't win this year or next year, like something's going to happen there, right? Like you, you, you've got all this money tied up. They did just trademark a smart, which I think is going to be an adjustment. Even if we both, you know, smart is a good NBA player. It's fine. But like, I think I would probably prefer Tatum Brown. I don't know. I don't know. Miami's just old is the problem. I just think I trust Boston to get to the finish line healthy. More than I trust Jimmy Butler's been hurt. Yeah. Jimmy Butler, a stat I threw out on Reddit once. Jimmy Butler has not played 70 games in a regular season since. Ever? (laughs) (laughs) Since. Chicago days, I bet you. When he was with Thibs. Or maybe Minnesota with Thibs. 2016-17. So you're talking about like seven years ago. That's that's like by design though. Like he, they don't, they don't but do you know that. what? Like I saw something that was a retort in somebody on Reddit saying he saves it for the playoffs. Like they barely made the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I mean, we were talking, we were, we were talking about this, like with friend of the show, Blake J Harris, where he was like, you know, you guys kept talking about how mediocre Miami was. And it's like, they were mediocre this year. Yeah, like, like they were not saving it for the pl- last. I mean, they shot play it. In. They shot it bad all year, yeah. and they they kind of like figured it out. And I hate to say this, but like I, maybe here I'm not being a part of things was like better for them. I, I don't well, know. I think, I think I wonder if Denver will like set the table for like load management and the rest for the rest of the league, where get out to a nice, comfortable win loss record. They were in the one seed, and then the last twenty games, yeah. they basically just were like, whatever, man, we don't care. Yeah, and then make sure you're in there because I think a lot of teams next year, if they don't, if they load manage in like a crowded Western Conference, like you might miss the playoffs. Yeah, or you might be in a you know uncomfortable spot come playoff time, right? Because I I think like if you're asking for big predictions, like I think the Lakers should be pretty good, right? I I don't know that I think the Lakers are better than Denver, and I don't know like if you know Phoenix is is really interesting, and I think a little too interesting for me to like officially call, but like. Phoenix definitely has the three best players on a roster, right? With Durant, Booker, and Beal, followed closely by, I don't know if another team has even a a three that's like, you know, I guess Jokic, Murray, Michael Porter, but like your drop off from Murray to Michael Porter is really big. And who knows if Murray can stay healthy. And like, so Phoenix, you know, but those three teams in in the West seem really good. Um, Dallas, they've got to be better, I think. I'm, I'm pretty bullish on some of their young guys. Like, but at some point, you know, you kind of got to like put up or shut up. I think Sacramento will take a step back. I think that the Clippers could trade for James Harden. And all of a sudden, like now you've got Harden, Westbrook, Kawhi and Paul George. And you can kind of play them all 50 games and, and try to figure it out. But 
I'm, I'm not sure, honestly. Like the West well, you know, is going to be really that, like, tough. The swing player. This is my poll quote for the podcast. I think the swing player for this NBA season, Anthony Edwards. Boom. I agree. No, I'm saying a guy who's going to flip the league on its access. If he's good, it changes I, things. If he's I, bad, it I changes know, things. I know who I think it is. I'm, we're probably thinking of the same guy. No, I don't think so because mine's low low profile, low pro as they call it. Okay, let's hear it. Eric Gordon, because it's like Eric the Suns like need that fifth guy, and he's 34. And he's been off and on. And is he like cooked? Dude, you know who I think it is for the Suns? I'm just saying if Eric Gordon is good and he kind of be like the Houston Eric Gordon who could play some all forward. I think he's just going to be the same guy. Do you know how many years Eric Gordon's played in the NBA, by the way? Can you guess? Or do you have it over? I I think I know. It was like 14 or 15. 15 years. 15 years this year. But I'm saying if you had, if you could play a lineup of Booker, Beal, Eric Gordon, Katie, and Aiton. I mean, that's I what you rap. That's what you win. That's what you want to play, right? But if they can't, the guy, I think, uh, I think there's two guys on the, like, I think Keita Bates Jap is the most important. Yeah, well, like non big three. Like, I think he's more important than Aiden because if, like, like I said, if you find that other guy in the wing, so who can they also have two make, swings at the apple. Then Kate's Bates Diop or Eric Gordon. They also have your boy. They got Bull Bull. What if like Bull Bull is like actually oh, like no. like the mat like the Magic's like let him go for nothing basically and like. Well, and also the Clippers let Eric Gordon go. So, like, that's not a good sign. Yeah, I don't know. They also still have, like, like Drew Eubanks is fine. Damian Lee is fine. Like, I, you know, Phoenix did a good job. Akogji is fine, right? The yeah. problem is, like... You know what? Like, I, I'm, I'm talking myself into Phoenix as the title winner, actually, for those reasons. <laughs> and I think Bates Diop is the one who's a little bit of fool's gold. We, 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 we'll see, right? If he's as good as he was. Chimizi Metu... I've heard very negative things on the personality side, but he also was like a pretty serviceable NBA player for the. But here's the stat that scares you about Bates Diop. Last year for the Spurs, shot 39% from three, which is great for a guy, you know, his size, versatility. Yeah. You know who else shot 40% for the Spurs last year from three? Doug Stanley McDermott. Johnson. Ooh, Stanley that's Johnson. Tough. That's tough. So, like, it shows you, like, it was just like a lost season. How much do we really take from that? I mean, Bates Diop other- has never shot that well before. There are, are also a bunch of, and we say this every year, but like, I have no idea what's going on with Zion Williamson. Like, no freaking clue. But, like, if Zion Williamson is back and healthy, like, New Orleans is very good. Like, they are very good. And I know you've been – I'm not trying to steal this, steal your thunder, because you've been on the New Orleans train, but, like, they can play a lot of different ways. Like, they've got a lot of different players that can contribute, right? And if you add that star, great. Also, like, Minnesota, like, I'm not ready to write off the what Minnesota has done in the past, right? Like, I think Minnesota's got a chance. I also think like we have no idea if Oklahoma City like let, let's say Chet is really good like I think Oklahoma City is a Ponzi scheme personally like I, I just think like Sam Presti just plays three card Monty like every single year and people are like yeah this is great and then they're just not very good but like if Chet is good and Jalen Williams takes another jump and all of a sudden you have those two with Shea Gilgis Alexander they actually have some like pretty intriguing pieces you know for their fourth fifth sixth guy type deal so like maybe OKC goes from like a forty win team to like a 49 win team or something like and they so, take that jump that they did when they had Durant and like, and like who else? So, so who gets left out? Like golden state, that seems like a team that like could implode, right? Minnesota certainly could implode. The Clippers could implode. Right. But th- th- this is a situation in the West where like, you know, the Kings probably win less games, I would assume, but like they, they just, there, there are a bunch of different scenarios you could see playing out. And like, 
you know, one of them is if like if Chet Holmgren is really, really good, and I don't think he's really good yet, but if he's really good, Oklahoma City has a chance to like take a big jump, like be better than New Orleans, be better than Minnesota, be better than Sacramento. And that's a big difference, I think. Probably better than Golden State. Cause like I don't know what Golden State's doing with Steph and Chris Paul and Clay and Draymond. Like Well, it's interesting you mentioned Oklahoma City, because like that I, I like to look up the stats, like in terms of an internal improvement leap. You know, when young Durant was there and they just fired PJ Carlissimo, hired Scotty Brooks midseason, that first year they with Scotty Brooks. They were they the eighth went, seed, right? Well, no, the in the when he took over midseason, they were twenty they won twenty three games. Okay, yeah. The next year they won fifty. And that was and they were the eighth seed. But, that was the that was the year that uh Ron Artest like elbowed Harden in the face. But have you ever seen a team jump from twenty three to fifty with all internal improvement? Not, you know, adding LeBron James or something. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because, like, we don't, uh, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I don't think you think this about Chet, but, like, the Thunder had three Hall of Fame talents on that team, right? Do we know if any of these, would we say any of these Thunder players are Hall of Fame talents? We knew, well, at, the time, we knew, at, the, we knew at the time how good Kevin Durant was. I don't think we knew... James Harden had another level in him. I don't think we knew Westbrook had an MVP type level, but we knew Westbrook was really good too. So like, well, you know why I'm I'm lower on Oklahoma City than most? I mean, the rest of their roster isn't that good. I just think Josh Giddy is a little overrated at this point. He's just young. He's still 21, but can you, tell me, can you tell me what his rating is? Like, what are people rating? Pretty high. Up? Like, I think he's one of those guys who I always say, like, he has the ball in his hands. He's going to put up numbers, but Big picture, not a great shooter, not a great defender, despite being pretty big. What were his numbers last big. year? Seventeen, eight, and six. So that's great. He averaged seventeen points a game last year. But I, I would know, never he, have. I would never have known that. He's one of those guys. I think if you take the ball out of his hands, like his flaws show more. And Can you tell like, me without looking what his usage percentage was last year? What we're talking no, about? I'm like, looking at it right now. I'm 20, staring right. Twenty five percent. That's pretty. That's like not a ball in it. You know, like. That's not a ball in his hands all the time type of guy. He had the ball the second most on the team, but like also the fact that Shea is as good as he is being as bad of a shooter as he is, is like, he's like a fantastic player. Shea he averaged up. 10 free throws a game. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. His three point rate was like, he, he had to have the lowest three point rate of like anybody in the top 20 in scoring. I'd imagine there wasn't like a big, but you know but, what? Like this is controversial, but I love, you know, obviously guys who get the free throw line. Like that, Jimmy Butler, same thing. But it sort of like limits your upside because, like, you are scoring so well because you're getting to the free throw line all the time. If you're playing with really good teammates, you're not getting to the free throw line ten times a game. You're not having that kind of usage rate. And how are you going to be able to score? Maybe you're not in the same way. Yeah, maybe like you can not. only have one guy getting to the line that often. Probably, unless you have a big that that also gets yeah. to the line. So we would assume they'll start Shea, Josh Giddy, Dort, Chet, Jalen Williams. Yeah, and Jalen Williams looks bigger; like he's getting bigger. I think. Are you he sure you're like not? Confu- are you sure you're not convinced? No, I'm serious. Him with Go Arkansas, Google, Arkansas, Google Jalen a Williams. picture of Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams, the Santa Clara guy. At Google him right now, like summer league. Or I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going to Google him. But who did who did they draft this year? Keontae Johnson. Oh, Casey Wallace, who I like. Quite a bit, actually. And we got my guy Poku. And Trey Mann, I think, has a chance. Like, I think Trey Mann has a chance to be like a six-man scorer. So, I don't know. And, again, I don't think Oklahoma City has 
enough talent to really take a jump because they just played way better last year than people expected because of Shea and Josh Giddy. But you know, well, I'm they, revising it. Go- I, I did Google Jalen Williams. Like he looks giant, and I think he can play power forward easily. Next to I'm Chad. sorry. You think he can play power forward? Look at this guy. He his, his wingspan's six. really long. His wingspan's like seven feet. He's not a power forward though. They it's would play modern NBA. Wouldn't they play Dort? I mean, he's short. Seven obviously. three wingspan. That might be the other Jalen Williams. Let's see. <laughs> see, this is uh, what I'm talking about. Yeah. This is what I'm other Jalen Williams used to have. He's like light skinned. So that's no. I know what from. he looks. One has like. a Y and one has a Y. No, no. The, the dark Jalen Williams. Oh my god! Wingspan. Do I have to edit this out? No, I don't no, know. no. I'm just saying seven two wingspan. You can play power. What if Dante Exum is good? That's another thing to consider. That's what if Dante awesome. Exum is really good and all of a sudden Dallas just takes off behind Luca and Dante Exum? Have you thought what about that? What do you want to talk about? Because we only have a few minutes left. No, that's last. it. That's that's all I got. I, <laughs> What's Dante Exum's name? It's like Beetlejuice. You have to leave. You know, I can't say his name three times or something terrible happens. Dude, I, I mean, Dallas is really interesting to me because, like, I think this is a make or break year for Luca, and, and not in the sense that like anything's wrong with his standing in the league, but. At a certain point, it's like, all right, you can be first team all NBA all the time, but like we need to see. And, you know, they made the conference finals last year. Right. And uh, he was really good. But I I think with a guy like Luca, like, you know, he has Kyrie on the team with him and then they have some other like interesting pieces. But at some point, it's like, all right, we're going to start to hear, like, can you win with this guy? We heard it with Giannis. We heard it with Jokic. We're hearing it with Embiid. And I think, you know, somehow Luca is like still like 24. (laughs) Which is but pretty- yeah, I, I I think you're high on their upside, and I, I think like we agreed like last month too. Grant the Williams sort of, is a nice pickup. Seth Curry yeah. is a nice pickup. I think like this sort of like frisky middle of the West, the young up and coming Dallas, New Orleans, Minnesota. Like I'd almost bet on that group versus the old blue bloods like the Clippers and the Lakers. The Lakers, I think, are going to be pretty good. I think the Lakers did really well. The, the one thing I didn't like what the Lakers did was drafting uh, the kid from Indiana, who I just think is not very good. But I think the rest of the Lakers' decisions were... Over Cam Whitmore. Well, yeah, I don't even know. I, I still am kind of... I don't want to get like wa- like carried away with Cam Whitmore, but he was better than I thought he would be in Summer League. I do think the processing is something that doesn't come out as much in Summer League because it's very much like more wide open. Um, and so I'd be curious to see like how he does in more structure, especially because he's just such a young player, right? Like, that, that's just how it is. Like Some guys are basketball geniuses and other guys it's a little bit harder. But uh, yeah, he was really good in summer league. I looked the part too, right? Zan, like, like, and the Thompson like, twins look good. I'm excited. Dude, the one like... Thompson twin was really good. not the, the one got hurt, but uh, Asar. Asar was like way better than I thought he would be. <laughs> yeah, way I better. Agree. That was like, like a it, big deal. There was like the mystery man because like that their competition or whatever, no one really knew. And then maybe they're just really good. You know, the other guy that was like very, very good in summer league that like I just didn't like, I hadn't even like heard his name in a while. Um, the guy from, uh, he signed a two way, but he was from Wichita state, Craig Porter jr. Like I didn't see him. He played for, he played for Cleveland. And I, th- I think he signed a two way with Cleveland, but I remember being like, who is this guy? Like, he's really good, but I don't know. Scoot was good in 20 minutes. Brandon Miller was bad. Not a surprise. Um, Sam Merrill. He was really good. Somebody has really good. Sam Merrill can make shots at the NBA level. Right. Absolutely. Keontae George, who you who you quite like. I was anti him, but Oh, you were anti? Yeah, because he seemed like the undersized check him up kind of scorer. But I mean he looked good in summer league. 
Sam Merrill, by the way, shot in college 89% from the free throw line. Yeah, he was a super good shooter. Utah State, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know who seemed like he's going to be pretty good? Leonard Miller looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, And then I am going to just eat crow here for a second. Amani Bates can make shots at the NBA level. Like, I understand that, like, it's summer league. It's not a lot of defense, blah, 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 blah. But, like. Somebody needs to have Amani Bates. Like, I know Cleveland has him on a two-way, but, like, Amani Bates is too good of a talent. He's more talented, I think, than people remember. And his story has been bad. He ends up at Eastern Michigan. He takes a lot of terrible shots, but, like... Well, I'm also, like, that whole... Remember Kevin Durant's draft class? I don't mean to compare the two, literally, but everyone was like, oh, he couldn't bench, you know, Yeah, he couldn't bench 185 one time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so... A lot of Amani Bates like hating was like, oh, his wingspan is so bad. Yeah. The same with like Desmond Bain. Like maybe you're just you're just good at basketball. Or like JJ Redick. Like it's, yeah. if you can do certain things. And, and Bates, I don't know. Like I, I truly don't know if he's going to be an NBA player, but he is good enough to be an NBA player. Which I think, I think there were some questions about like his talent level and his and his ability to like actually play in a but physical the Rockets, game. Because you know, I apparently Sangoon grew. You know. Jabari that's your, Smith. That's, looked, that's your guy. Jabari Smith was awesome. Like that's yeah, the guy. Looked good. Cam Whitmore looked good. The Thompson twins are excited amen, about. Amen. Maybe. Amen. Thompson. Like how quickly. All right. This will be the last point because I know you have a hard stop. But like, yeah. how quickly do you think the Rockets are just like staring at like Van Vliet and like Dylan Brooks and then like Amen Thompson to be like, when can we? When can we get rid of Kevin Porter? Like, can we trade? Can, can, I mean, can seriously, we, do, that's like the one it? like flying ointment. Can we do, can we do like, it? Is he ruining things? Like. Yeah, it's just like it's a bunch of combustible personalities. There. Yeah, and I think when you have a guy like Van Vliet, he's supposed to be kind of like a leader. But I'm, I'm telling you, like Jabari Smith, like that's a laid back dude, right? Jalen Green is not, I think, as tough as people want him to be. But like the Rockets have a lot of like projectable guys, if you will. Like there's a bunch of dudes on the Rockets that like if it, if they get it right, I mean, they could be really good. But I, it's not going to be this year. They'll be bad this year. And they yeah, still, it's sort of like you know the, the Rockets are like a mess. It reminds me. Did you ever go to like a kids party or a bar mitzvah? You oh, I've been to a lot of a lot of kids parties. But like where they do like that money machine where it's like you stand <laughs> in like a tunnel and then and the, it flies out. And you kind of like no, we're not from a we're not from a, we're not from, a we- we're not from a wealthy area like you. But. Well, I don't know if it's real money, but you kind of just like flail. No, no, yeah, I've, I've, I've like, seen it. Before. Look like a crazy person. Like that's yeah. like the Rockets. Like we have <laughs> a bunch of like lottery tickets. We're just trying to catch something and see if it's sticks. I, I love it. All right, we'll let it. We'll we'll end it there. We'll be back next week we'll start doing another weekly cadence again um now that things are hopefully ramping up maybe next week off and then go once training camp we starts look at awards we could look at bets we, i hit on my like three 20 to one shots in the last couple of years pretty good they call me mr 20 to one mr 20 to one you can yeah. follow mr 20 to one on uh twitter and reddit zan underscore ellison and you can email mr 20 to one zandrick ellison at gmail.com and uh as always Zan, it's a pleasure <laughs> Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.